Well, according to the scriptures, early on the first day of the week, the God-man Jesus rose from the dead. Everything that Jesus had said about himself, about the Father, about the Spirit, became alarmingly real and true. For every person that had seen and heard and touched Jesus, especially those that were closest to him, his disciples, there was alarm. Alarm. Like the moment that they saw him walk on the water or speak to the wind and the waves. The, the resurrection brought a swift awareness that this man was not an ordinary man. In fact, he was divine. Though they ate with him, they walked with him, and they saw the ordinary moments of humanness, the resurrection brought the alarming reality that Jesus was also fully God. Jesus is God. When Jesus came out of the tomb, breaking the chains of death, it suddenly gave a huge weight to his words that his followers now finally understood. They understood his predictions about his death and his resurrection, that he wasn't talking figuratively. He meant it literally. He was really going to die. He was really going to raise from the dead. They understood what Jesus said about himself as the resurrection and the life. And it was backed up by the power of his indestructible life. The dawning joy was that Jesus really could offer resurrection life to others. <coughs> but like the moment Peter said to Jesus, go away from me, I'm a sinful man. Because when he saw Jesus demonstrate his power, he was afraid and felt his own sinfulness. The effect of the resurrection can have the same effect on us. <coughs> we can sense our sinful humanness in comparison to his divine and power, powerful holiness. You know, some of our modern horror movies today are based on this idea of someone coming back from the dead and coming to hunt down or haunt their companions who are not faithful as friends. Now, I don't want you to imagine a horror movie at this moment, but I, I would want you to imagine your loved one and yourself getting into an argument and you saying some heated things to them and, and parting without resolving the argument. And, and, and then go just a little further in your imagination. What if your loved one died unexpectedly? Imagine some of your thoughts and feelings as, as you would deal with those last words you spoke to them. Imagine the regret over the words and actions that you wish you could take back and do over again. What would happen if someone then came along and told you that they had seen your loved one, that they had talked with them, and that they were asking for you? I mean, I'm sure there'd be disbelief, there'd be joy, there'd be urgency to know and to see with your own eyes. It would be all over you. And at the same time, you'd probably be anxious, anxious to resolve what had been unresolved, quick to ask forgiveness or give forgiveness, quick to make amends, quick to tell them how much you love them. Well, in the disciples' case, this is what was really happening for them. Put that imagined scenario together with the fact that your friend that you abandoned at his arrest is now, without a doubt, God himself in flesh. It's not just your words that you're thinking about, what you will say to him. What's concerning you more is 
What will he say to me? What will he say to me when he sees me? The words of Jesus after his resurrection carry a huge weight to his followers. And maybe today, some of those same words that were spoken nearly 2,000 years ago will carry weight with you today. In John 20, the first to encounter Jesus outside the tomb is Mary. She's crying because all she can think about is is Jesus' death and picturing his body, his dead body being shamefully stolen away out of a tomb. The crucifixion has been marked in her mind and is the only image she can see. And Jesus comes to her, taps her on the shoulder and says, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Jesus is about to rock her world and imprint on her mind another picture tattooed to her brain, the resurrected Jesus. I know that we often go to Jesus on the cross in our minds and our hearts, the altar where the greatest and final sacrifice for sins was made. We were taught by Jesus to mourn over our sin, and that is right and good. But I do believe that there is a moment in our mourning when Jesus taps us on the shoulder and says, why are you crying? I'm here. I think he says to us while we're still fixed on the image of him dead on the cross, he's saying to us, why are you looking? Who are you looking for? A dead man? I'm here. I'm alive. Just as much as we picture the crucified Christ, we need to picture the resurrected Christ who is alive to comfort us and to walk with us. The crucifixion says, blessed are those who mourn, but the resurrection says, for they will be comforted. The resurrection finishes any sentence you hand him with triumph. Jesus won your heart with the crucifixion, but he wants to rock your world with the resurrection. The resurrection words Jesus might say to you might be like the ones he spoke to Thomas. Thomas wouldn't budge about Jesus being dead and gone. What did Jesus say to Thomas? Reach out your hand. Reach out. Touch my side. Feel where the sword went in. See my hands and my feet. For Thomas, in his situation, death was reality. And the final grim word on, on the material world that he lived in, to believe in something beyond the finality of death, well, he wanted proof. And though he wanted proof, Thomas took this interesting posture. He said, I won't believe it until I see with my own eyes. And I touch his hands and his sides. And it's kind of like he kind of crossed his arms and just kind of pouted. You know? And I go, for someone who wants to examine and find the truth, that's kind of really a passive posture. It's really the critic's cowardly posture. Jesus came to Thomas and challenged his passiveness and said, you want proof? Reach out with your hand and touch Jesus was willing to offer proof to those who doubted. Jesus was willing to offer evidence. Jesus gave something to Thomas that killed doubt and brought belief back to life. And what about you? Have you been questioning whether God really answers your prayers? Does God really provide needs for those who seek him first? Can the commands of Jesus that he gave for living, can they really work in today's world? 
Or is that just a time that's dead and gone? Well, don't just cross your arms and take on the critic's cowardly posture. You're just thinking of the crucifixion, dead and gone. You're not thinking the resurrection. Jesus wants to offer you proof. Take the aggressive approach. Reach out your hand and examine the resurrected Savior's side. Examine his hands, his feet. Jesus' ways are not dead and gone, just like Jesus is not dead and gone. Take one of his commands. Test it. Live it out and see if it works in today's world. Pray to him in faith and see if he answers your prayer. Reach out so that you can bring an end to doubt. Crucify your doubt and resurrect your belief. Maybe you need the resurrection words that Jesus spoke to the men, his disciples, that went back to the familiar things. He said to them, throw your net on the other side and then come and eat with me. The men were unsure. They were caught between the image of Jesus crucified and Jesus resurrected. They, they didn't know where they stood with him, and, 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 and it, was, it was just unfamiliar. They, they didn't know what to do with themselves, and so they just went back to what was familiar. I'll go back to fishing. That's comfortable. They did not know what to do. Jesus had commanded them where to go, what to do, and so they went and did the thing that they're most familiar with. And the work, when they got into it, it was the frust frustrating part of the work. It wasn't the enjoyable part. They, they were fishing all night and not catching anything. And then Jesus appears and he shows them a new way. Throw your net to the other side. They do it and they reap the benefit of heeding Jesus' instructions. Jesus then invites them to come and eat with him, to come and sit by his side and listen to him. What about you? Have you been caught between the cross and the resurrection? Not sure where you stand with Jesus. Am I a sinner or am I a saint? And instead of answering the question, you just go back to the death of the familiar things, familiar habits, thoughts, work, familiar chains, familiar addictions, familiar unhealthy relationships, or just the familiar humdrum of life. The living Jesus wants to challenge you on what you might think you're so familiar with and just make a little alteration. Throw your net to the other side. And that can change everything for you. Change everything and move you towards Him. Jesus wants you to become familiar with His resurrection life. He's inviting you to come and eat with Him to come close, to listen, to abide with him as you walk in new and unfamiliar ways with Jesus and his resurrected life. The crucified Jesus, he covered your familiar sins, and the resurrected Jesus is calling you to walk with him and to abide with him in a new way. Maybe you're like Peter, and you hear the resurrection words, do you love me? Do you truly love me? follow me. Peter was asked three times if he loved Jesus. Asked to the point that it hurt him. We know that Peter denied that he knew Jesus three times right before the crucifixion. Peter 
After that moment, he wept alone in condemnation, self-condemnation over his shaky, shifty, faith-denying words and actions. And when the tests came, he failed. But Jesus comes resurrected and alive to him and asked his three, three times, asked him the question, each time bringing pain to Peter's heart, but also restoration to his heart. The resurrected Jesus showed his forgiveness to Peter, that it was real. And then he commanded Peter to demonstrate his love by following him. You know, I'm I'm someone who understands this. You saw some of the testimonies of others on the screens. But I came to know Jesus, who he was and what he did for me my freshman year in high school. I read the Bible for the first time and saw what Jesus did for me and how he desired me to follow him. I saw how I I lived one way at church, one way at school, and one way at home. Three different worlds, three different lives I was living, and Jesus made those worlds collide into one. And I couldn't do that any longer. He said, follow me. And I wanted to live one way aligned with him. So I gave myself to Jesus, but then the test came. My sophomore year through a girlfriend, I failed and was sexually immoral over a period of a year. I knew God's commands to me were to be holy as just as he is holy. I knew that the Lord wanted me to abstain from sexual touch and reserve that only for the woman I was going to be married to. See, I never denied Jesus with my words, but with my actions, I denied him as Lord of my life. I denied knowing him with my actions. I called myself a Christ follower, but really I was just dragging his name through the dirt by not following him. I understood and I understand Peter and the self-condemnation over my shaky, shifty, faith-denying actions. I was familiar with the cross and the crucified Jesus, seeking his forgiveness repeatedly. But there was a night when the resurrected Jesus stopped me dead in my tracks. I had to pull over my car not to wreck because the tears were were, were in my eyes. And what Jesus was saying to me in that moment when I pulled over on the side of the road, he was asking me, Shannon, do you truly love me? And follow me. And my answer was yes. And Jesus' Jesus' response, if that's the case, Shannon, do it. Follow me. So regardless of the consequences, I broke up with that girlfriend and turned to follow Jesus and never looked back again. Jesus began changing me from that shaky, shifty faith to a solid, follow-me faith. The crucified Jesus, He receives the broken and shaky who fail life's test. And the resurrected Jesus restores them to a solid love expressed in a follow-me faith. So what about you on this day? What are the words of the resurrected Jesus saying to you? Who are you looking for? A dead man or a resurrected Jesus? His death may have captured your heart, but he wants to rock your world with his resurrected life. Uncross your arms and reach out. The living Savior Savior wants to offer you proof. Stop doubting and believe. Get out of your passive posture so you can crucify your doubts and resurrect belief. 
Throw your nets to the other side. Come and eat with Jesus. Jesus is challenging you to leave the death of the familiar, maybe the familiar sins, and abide instead in resurrection life, showing you new and unfamiliar ways, walking in a new way, new choices. Do you love him? Then follow him. Jesus wants to solidify your shaky, shifting faith to a love that's expressed in a follow-me faith. You know, we don't ever stop going to the cross where sin was once and for all obliterated forever. But we must also remember our Savior did not stay forever on the cross. But He is alive. The resurrected Savior, forever alive to lead His people on. He is leading us to change life as we know it through His love, His loyalty, His friendship. Listen to Him. Listen to the resurrected Jesus. He's our Savior. and He's alive. Right now, the guys are going to come up, and we're just going to have a time where we continue in our worship, and we're going to also in our worship respond. You can respond by singing with faith in your heart. You can respond by, by getting on your knees and saying, yes, Jesus, you are Lord and Savior, and don't worry about the sticky beer floor. You're okay. Clothes wash, right? But sometimes we need to express things outwardly. Maybe you just need to, to offer yourself again to your Lord. Say, Lord, here are my hands, my feet, my mind, my heart, my mouth, my eyes, my ears, my whole body to be a living sacrifice. I want to follow you. Maybe it's, it's, it's moments of, of confession. Maybe that's silently between you and the Lord. Lord, you know my sin. Forgive me, wash me clean. I don't, I hate it. I hate it. I want to walk away from it. Show me how to abide in you, to walk with you. Teach me your ways. Maybe, maybe it's things that you don't need to do silently, but you need the help of brothers and sisters in Christ. You need someone with flesh and bones to pray with you right now, to encourage you. Maybe some of you just need to say, I need to stand with other people who believe the same thing. I'm encouraged today. My faith is emboldened. And I need to stand with other people who believe in the resurrected Christ. And I want to say, yes, stand with us. We need more people standing with us to pass the baton of faith and leadership to the next generation. We need some older gray heads to join us because we got all these young people. But we need someone to mentor them, to encourage them. Stand with us. Join us. So right now, let's, let's get on our feet. And I want to pray before we begin singing and, and, uh, and worship and our response. But again, I just want to say, as we sing this first song, this is, this is a chance for us to respond to the Word of God, to what He's saying to our hearts today. Those words that He spoke 2,000 years ago are words that He's speaking to us right now. How will you respond? Lord Jesus, help us to hear You not a human voice, but to hear your voice in this moment, speaking quietly to our hearts and our minds. Show us, Lord, how you desire us to respond to the question you're asking us. Give us the courage. Embolden us. Help us to take these steps of faith, faith that expresses itself not just inwardly, but outwardly in our lives. Lord Jesus, you are the risen Savior and Lord of all. Lead your people today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.